everyone. We are here, Dave Therrien, Hope Radio, and the Hope Club Podcast. Very happy to have you join me today. We're going to begin a brand new short series, not too long, a few days. But we're going to talk about some of the things that Jesus did when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, when he was up there, he gave some wonderful sermons, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I don't mean the Mount of Transfiguration. I just mean the Mount. Different Mount. (laughs) Different mountain. The mountain where he gave the Beatitudes. Mount of Transfiguration, that was um, a place where he met with Moses and Elijah and his garments radiated. That's a different place, different time, different story. Get those mountains mixed up. But this is where he comes down from all of his preaching on the Mount. And what do you think happened after that? Well, that's what we're going to see. Don't forget, you can catch us when we're live at newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, as well as WARV 1590 AM 92.7 on the FM dial. So we open up Matthew chapter 8, and we find Jesus descending from the mountain after completing his fitly titled Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) That's a good name for a sermon, right? Title it after where you gave it, Sermon on the Mount, okay? So he spent quite a bit of time talking to the people, and of course, even though he came down from the mountain... And he was done speaking. The people continued to follow him. They did. After all, in the previous chapter, in Matthew 7, 28, it tells us that they were amazed at his teaching. They loved to hear Jesus speak. He was a breath of fresh air. You know, they were used to being burdened by the scribes and the Pharisees. And, you know, going to church was a burden for them. They didn't walk out feeling lighter. They they walked out feeling heavier. But when Jesus spoke, it was like the burden was lifted. And that's how preachers should be. Preachers should lift the weights, the burdens that people have carried all week long. So, In our time together in this session, we're going to witness two healings that Jesus produced. And what we're going to see is that Jesus heals for a reason. Now, there might be some people that don't believe that. They think Jesus heals dot, 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 dot. No, Jesus heals for a reason. And the interesting thing is that they were both conducted and two very different ways, these two healings. But that's what we're going to learn today. See, we have to understand the healing ministry of Jesus, which is very misunderstood in many circles today. And I think that's a detriment to the faith of people because, well, when people don't get what they want, they get discouraged. And then they can even feel guilty, maybe for what? Not having the faith that they should have? when yet people have great faith, and they still don't find their healing. So let's pick it up today, Matthew 8, verse 1. When Jesus came around from the mountain, 
large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him. And he said, Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. Now this man had leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease of open and oozing sores. It was itchy. It was painful. And it was humanly incurable. So leprosy became symbolic of sin, because sin is humanly incurable. We cannot cure ourselves of sin. And because of people's attitude toward leprosy in those days, the lepers were ostracized from society. And they were also deemed contagious. So let's go back, verse 2. A leper came to Jesus. Now, he would never have gone to another rabbi or another priest. Why? They weren't allowed to go near people. So why did this guy come to Jesus? Because he was confident of the love of Christ. He was confident that the one that he was going to would never cast him out. Wouldn't it be great if more people knew Jesus that way? That whoever it, whoever it is that came to him, he would receive them? I discovered a Christmas song this weekend, and I saw the title. And i got to be honest, when I saw the title, it irked me. And it said, it was a Christmas song, and it said, Oh, come all ye unfaithful. And I thought it was going to be a mockery. You know, unbelievers have a way of mocking the faith of people. Oh, come all ye unfaithful. So I said, I got to listen to this. So I played it. And it was one of the most beautiful Christmas songs I've ever heard. Oh, come all ye unfaithful. Oh, come all ye that are broken. Oh, come all ye that are hurting. And it's all about people that are far from God. And God is inviting them to come near to him. You know, when we sing, oh, come all ye faithful. Yeah, we're calling the church together. But in this particular song, They're calling the world to come to Christ. All you that don't know God, come. All you that are struggling, come. You're broken. You're pain. You're in pain. Come. Come to Jesus. Beautiful Christmas song. I think we're going to sing it here next year. And the point is, no one is too unclean to come to Christ. That's the point here. This man knew that his healing did not rest on Jesus' love, but it rested on Jesus' willingness to heal him. That's the question. Would Jesus be willing to heal? It was the love that brought him, but it was the willingness that healed him. So in verse 3, you know what Jesus did? He stretched out his hand and he touched him. What? He touched him? There's a broken religious law. You don't touch people with leprosy. We can go back to Leviticus 13, verse 45. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! And why did he have to cry out unclean? To warn people to stay away. And what did Jesus do? Stretched out his hand and touched him. 
And you know what he said? I am willing. Be cleansed. And boom, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Oh, Jesus says something that made this guy's day. I am willing. I will do so at this time. That's what he's saying. I'm willing. I'm going to heal you right now. See, the healings of Jesus are in accordance to his own willingness. Is the Lord willing to heal? That's the key. Does he heal everybody? Well, is he willing to heal everybody? I would say no. I would say that there are people that can bring more glory to God in their affliction than they can in their healing. See, God has a different economy. You know, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, right? I mean, you want to melt your heart? Read his sermons. And yet, he struggled with depression. The Prince of Preachers, his wife, who had phenomenal faith, was bedridden for months at a time. She couldn't get out of bed. She was so sick. And yet she ran a book ministry from her bed, collecting books and mailing books to impoverished pastors. First it started off in England, and then word got out, and she was sending books all over the world from her sick bed. So here's the, here's the key. Is Christ willing to heal? And never get discouraged if his willingness doesn't come to you when you ask for a healing. It goes to some, but it doesn't go to all. So in verse 4, Now Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go. Show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, why did Jesus say, Don't tell anybody what I did? He didn't want to stir up the popular vote, so to speak. He didn't want people seeing him as this great wonder worker or mistaking their expectations that he was the Messiah that would come and, you know, free the people, deliver the Jews. He didn't, that, No, that was premature. He wasn't here for that. So that's why he wanted to keep the healing quiet. And Jesus gives him two commands. Number one, don't tell anybody. And then number two, go show yourself to the priest. And why do you have to do that? Because it was the priest that would make an official declaration of the healing. He's the one that gave the guy approval to go back into society. And the man would also bring an offering as well, a sacrificial offering. So look at what Jesus did. Jesus did something for this man. And he didn't do it to gain popularity. He didn't do it because he wanted to be more well-known. I really believe he did it to help this guy out. That's all. Does Jesus help everybody? Well, remember when he went down by the pool of Bethesda? All kinds of people are on the pool. And Jesus goes to one guy. Do you want to get well? And he goes, oh, there's no one to put me in the pool. Jesus is like, I didn't ask you that. You want to get well? Pick up your bed and walk. And there's no record of Jesus healing everybody at the pool. But he did that guy. So that's the first healing. He wants us to understand the willingness that he has to heal some 
and the willingness that he has to leave some in their condition, but everything is for his glory. It's all for the glory of God. Then in verse 5, Jesus, he hits the streets again, and he enters Capernaum. And a centurion came to him, imploring him, and he said, Oh, Lord, my servant, remember a centurion, it's a Roman army officer. He called him Lord. And he said, Hey, Jesus, come here. He said, No, Lord, my servant, he's lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And what is a centurion? A centurion is a commander of a hundred men. A legion is a company of 6,000 men. It's divided into 60 centuries. So there are 60 centurions in a legion, each one commanding a century or a hundred men. And let me tell you something about the centurions. They were the backbone of the Roman army. They were responsible for the discipline and the morale of the troops. They were steady in action. They were reliable. They would hold their ground until death. And have you noticed that when you read the Gospels, whenever centurions are mentioned in the New Testament, they're mentioned with honor. Did you ever notice that? Like in Matthew 27, when the centurion recognized Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, truly, this is the Son of God. That guy had a revelation. In Acts chapter 10, he was spoken well of by the people of Israel. Centurion, what did he do? He built a synagogue for the people at his own expense. In Acts 22-25, there was a centurion that discovered, uh uh-oh, Paul was a Roman citizen, and he rescued him from being whipped. See, these centurions, I'll tell you what, these are quality men. In Acts 24, Paul's overseeing officer, who treated him kindly, he even, he even allowed Paul's friends to visit him. He was a centurion. The centurions are all always mentioned noted, um, honorably in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. So here, even a Gentile, a centurion, knows of the compassion and the power of Jesus. And you know what this centurion teaches us? That you don't have to grow up in church to learn about Christ. You can learn about him from others. This guy's a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's a pagan. He didn't grow up learning Judaism. He didn't study the, the prophets and the Mo- Moses and the Torah. But he heard about Christ from people. And you know what he heard? What he heard, it turned into, oh, here it comes, faith. What he heard turned into faith. Hey, let me ask you, when you go to church and you hear the Word of God, does that turn into faith? Does it remain a nice motivational speech, or does it really turn into faith? That's the key. Without faith, you got nothing. What you hear must turn into Faith. And what is faith? Faith is what I rely on. Faith is what I stand in. Faith is what I abide by. Faith is my rule of life. 
So what you hear must become faith. And here's a guy that didn't grow up in church, but he heard about Jesus from others. He said, I got a servant. He's sick. He's not doing well. And Jesus said to him, I will come and I will heal him. Now, the word heal is the word therapeuo, and it means to wait upon or to tend to him. And what Jesus is saying is, I will come there personally and minister to him. That's what Jesus is saying. But you know what the centurion said? He said, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But if you just say the word, oh, I know, my servant will be healed. The centurion is so humble, he's saying, I don't deserve you to come to my house. Not at all. As a matter of fact, that little phrase, I do not deserve, that's the same phrase used by John the Baptist in John chapter 3 when he said, I am not worthy to untie the laces on the sandals of Jesus. Same word. So it's a real statement of humility. This centurion realizes, even though he's a Roman officer and he's high and lifted up, oh, compared to Jesus, he's not much. Jesus is the key. Okay? So Jesus said, I will come and I will minister. And he said, no, if you just say the word, I know he'll be healed. And the word healed, it means to be cured at once. He says, I know the power of your word, Jesus. Because the centurion is saying two things here. Number one, my house is unclean to you. I'm a Gentile. Probably got idols in the house. I don't know if he had a born-again experience yet, but he knows who Jesus is. So he respects the faith of Christ. I understand that, Jesus, you are Jewish. I am Gentile. I respect that. I wouldn't want you to violate your own law by coming into my house. And you know there's a good lesson there? We always want to respect the religion of others. No matter how ridiculous you might think their religion is, you always want to respect the religion of other people. That's how you keep the dialogue open. Because religion is what's dear to our heart. And you don't like it if someone attacks your Christianity. And so is it when we attack someone else's faith that's non-Christian. You never want to do that. You've got to respect everybody right where they are. Okay? So keep that in mind. The second thing we learned from this exchange, that the centurion says, I understand the authority of the word. And this is why. He said, I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. So I've got people over me, and I've got people under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, remember back in chapter 7, we said the people were amazed at his teaching? Well, here, I love this, Jesus has a similar response to the faith of the centurion. Jesus is amazed at the centurion. How incredible is that? Verse 10. Now, when Jesus heard this, 
He marveled. And he said to those who were following, by the way, all of his fellow Jews, he looked them all in the eye and he said, Oh, truly I say to you, I've not found such great faith with any in Israel. But he found great faith in this Gentile centurion. Jesus admired the man. You know why? Because faith gets Jesus' attention, right? Faith pleases God, right? And if you've got faith, that gets the Lord's attention because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for faith. And Jesus said in verse 11, I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be be cast out into outer darkness. Uh Uh-oh. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's he saying? That so many Jewish people, because they're born Jew, still didn't believe enough to get in. And yet there were Gentiles that were born Gentile. But they found the faith. They found the the faith in Christ. See, the Jews believed that when the Messiah came, there'd be a great banquet. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Oh, people will come from the east and the west, and they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Big banquet. And you know what they believed was going to be the food? In Job chapter 40, it talks about the great land animal, the behemoth. The greatest of land animals. And then Leviathan, a little seafood going on there, Leviticus 41 the greatest of all sea creatures, and they believed that they would provide the fear. But it never crossed their minds that the Gentiles would be there too. They're like, what? Gentiles are coming to the feast? I don't think so. And Jesus is saying, you know what? They'll be there before you. And note the words of Jesus in verse 12. The sons of the kingdom, they're going to be cast out. That's the Jewish people that don't believe. They're rejectors of Christ. They'll be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Bad place to be, isn't it? One writer said, The Jews had to learn that the passport to God's presence is not membership of any nation. It is faith. Faith. That's why anybody can have faith. Gentiles can have faith. That's us. So Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. What an incredible exchange. An exchange of faith. Faith pleases God. And the whole world has the opportunity to have faith. No one is left out for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anybody that has faith in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. So let's summarize what we've seen here today, that Jesus heals for a reason. In one instance, it was to show compassion. He will show a willingness or an unwillingness. He didn't heal everybody whose path he crossed but he healed those where he was willing. 
And we also learn that when Jesus sees great faith in someone, he admires that person. Imagine that. How cool is that to be admired by the Lord? Are you kidding me? That's like, okay, that's the top of the ladder. You can't get any higher than that. When the Lord admires you, why? Because you have great faith. Not because you're a perfect person, because who is? But because you have great faith. That's all God is looking for. He's looking for faith. So look at, more than anything, Jesus is looking for faith in your life and in my life. Let's work on that. Let's work on building up our faith. And you know what the scripture says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. But the word hear, I believe it's the word akuo, and that word means to listen with the intention of obeying. It's not listening where your mind is wandering. It's not listening where you're planning the afternoon's events. It's not listening where you're rationalizing away what he's saying, but it's listening with the attitude that says, whatever God says, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Count me in, Lord, because you know what? I know I need this. I do. I know I need this. So what you're saying, I'm hearing. And what I'm hearing, I'm doing. (laughs) There it is. What you're saying, I'm hearing. What I'm hearing, I'm doing. Can you do that? If you can do that, you will have great faith. And you know what? Just like that centurion, you will be admired by the Lord. Things don't get any better than that. Let's remember, faith is for every situation, good and bad, positive and negative, things we like, things we don't like. Faith is for every season. Let's remember that. So we need to exercise great faith at every moment that we can. Here's another way you can build your faith. Join the Hope Club. Join the Hope Club and get an email in your mailbox every day, Monday through Friday. Hear the Word of God. Build your faith. You send us $3 a week to New Hope Radio so we can continue to produce these programs. So just go to newhoperadio.live. All the information is there. Okay? And it's an honor system. Hey, if you skip a week, you skip a week. We're just trying to pay our bills. Meet all the finance, financial needs that we have to keep producing programs and podcasts so people can build their faith according to the Word of God. So would you do that? I hope you will. Thank you for coming along today. Next time we're going to see, oh, what follows a healing?